I'm reading from the Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 5, the 6th verse. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Most of us don't know what it is like to be really hungry. Oh, we go a few hours without food, and we think we're really hungry, so we have to have that little snack to tie us over to the next meal. If we miss that snack, then by the time the next meal rolls around, we say that we're starving, but we really aren't. In some parts of the world, millions of people know what it is to be starving, and many of them will die of hunger. For such people, the supreme thought on their minds is food. We must have food or we're going to die. In the days that the Bible was written, people lived with the constant threat of starving to death. They knew that if there were a long drought, a plague of insects, or some other natural disaster, there would be no food. So when Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, the people would not have been thinking of our craving for a mid-afternoon snack. They would have thought of the kind of hunger and thirst that accompanies the fear of starvation. In this beatitude, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Our Lord teaches that our desire for righteousness must be that strong. Our desire for righteousness must be so strong that it would be described as hunger and thirst. The scripture often uses the analogy of hungering and thirsting to describe our desire for spiritual things. The psalmist said, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? In Psalm 63, 1, David said, O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. In Psalm 143, verse 6, he said, I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty land. So down through the ages, there have been people who have longed for God and spiritual things with such intensity that it could only be described as hunger and thirst. The question we must ask ourselves is this. Have we ever longed for God? Have we ever longed for righteousness? Have we ever longed for spiritual growth with such intensity that it could be described as hunger and thirst? Have we ever longed for spiritual things with such vehement desire that we felt as though we would die if we did not obtain them? For many of us, our approach to the Christian life has been that it would be nice to know God. It would be a good thing to be a righteous person. It would be a good thing to have spiritual power in my life, but it's not a life and death matter to me. I have other things in my life that keep me interested and happy. And if I never really come to know God, if I never really become the person that God wants me to be, well, that's just the way it goes. And it's because we have that lackadaisical attitude towards spiritual things that we never obtain them. For the promise, they shall be filled, is only for those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. One of the saddest things that we encounter in the church in the church, mind you, is an almost total lack of spiritual hunger and thirst. 
Rather, instead, we find a dead and dry complacency. One preacher describes this hunger and thirst like this. Suppose a man has been wandering the desert for three days. He's had no food or water. With great diligence and effort, he finally makes it to the outskirts of a town. A man runs up to him and says, I would like to give you a brand new car, a big house on the hill, and half a million dollars. Of course, the man would simply cry out, give me water, please just give me water. That man doesn't care about cars, houses, or money. He wants nothing but water. He's been in the desert for three days. His lips are parched and bleeding. His tongue is swollen. He knows that he has to have water or he will die. When we desire righteousness in that kind of desperate manner, we will be filled. In this beatitude, our Lord says those people are blessed. They are blissfully happy who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, what is this righteousness that our Lord has in mind? In the New Testament, there are two kinds of righteousness. One is the kind of righteousness that God gives us because of what Christ has done. When we believe in Jesus Christ, God gives us the legal righteousness of Jesus. By nature, we have no righteousness of our own. We are filled with unrighteousness. But when we believe in Christ, God gives us the righteousness the spotless robe of Christ's own righteousness. We're no longer filthy in the sight of God, but God declares us to be righteous in His sight so that legally in His sight we are righteous, not because of any good things we have done, but because of what Christ has done. When St. Paul uses the word righteousness, it is usually this kind of righteousness he has in mind, the legal righteousness given to those who have faith in Jesus Christ. But there's another kind of righteousness in the Bible, the kind of righteousness that we would describe as right conduct, holy living, living according to the commands of Scripture. When Matthew uses the word righteousness in his gospel, he usually has this kind of righteousness in mind, righteous acts, righteous deeds, living according to God's commands. It is so evident that this is the kind of righteousness Matthew has in mind, especially in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 5:10, Jesus says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. In other words, blessed are those who are persecuted for living righteously, for living their lives according to God's law, according to God's demands. The rest of the Sermon on the Mount is a description of this righteousness, the right conduct that Jesus demands of his followers. And he contrasts that kind of righteousness with the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. Their righteousness was primarily external, whereas the righteousness of the follower of Jesus is not only external, but inward as well. So Jesus said to the Pharisees, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchers which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. The Pharisees made a huge display of being righteous. They gave alms, they prayed, they fasted, they appeared righteous. But on the inside, 
They were filled with greed, envy, and hate. That is why Jesus said, But I say unto you, that except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Then Jesus goes on to explain that the Christian must not only be free of murder and adultery, but free from the hate and the lust as well. We must not only be righteous in our outward conduct, but in the thoughts of our hearts and minds as well. And it is this kind of righteousness that we must hunger and thirst to obtain. So we must not only hunger and thirst to be declared legally righteous in the sight of God, but we must also hunger and thirst to live righteously in our daily walk with God before men. A.W. Pink described it like this, the one in whom the Spirit graciously works desires not only an imputed righteousness, but an imparted one too. He not only longs for a restoration to God's favor, but to have God's image renewed in him. The one who longed to be saved by Christ now yearns to be made like him. Looked at in its widest aspect, this hungering and thirsting refers to that panting of the renewed heart after God, that yearning for a closer walk with him, that longing for more perfect conformity to the image of his son. So this hungering and thirsting after righteousness is at bottom a strong desire to be like Jesus in every aspect of our lives. In the Greek language, they had a way of saying whether they wanted part of something or all of it. In this verse, Jesus uses the construction to indicate we must desire all of it. He didn't say, blessed are those who want some righteousness. He said, blessed are they who want all of righteousness. They hunger and thirst to be righteous in every way. Now that is something we usually do not desire. We say, well, I would like to live according to Christ's word in this area of my life, but there are other areas of life I'm not willing to bring into conformity to the commands of Jesus. But that is not what Christ describes. This is the person who wants to be righteous in all of his life, in his family, his business life, his personal life, even the life of his heart and mind. Jesus says that those who hunger and thirst after this kind of righteousness are the blessed, happy ones. One of the mistakes we often make in the Christian life is to seek for the wrong thing. For example, we seek happiness, we seek blessedness. But happiness, blessedness, bliss are always the byproduct of something else. Jesus doesn't tell us to seek blessedness. He tells us to seek righteousness. And then the blessedness will come as a result of that. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones once said, there are large numbers of people in the Christian church who seem to spend the whole of their life seeking something which they can never find, seeking some kind of happiness and blessedness. They go around from meeting to meeting and convention to convention, always hoping they are going to get this wonderful thing, this experience that is going to fill them with joy and flood them with some ecstasy. They see that other people have had it, but they themselves do not seem to get it. Now that is not surprising. We are not meant to hunger and thirst after experiences. We are not meant to hunger and thirst after blessedness. If we want to be truly happy and blessed, 
we must hunger and thirst after righteousness. We must not put blessedness or happiness or experience in the first place. It is like when Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Don't seek the other things primarily, food, clothing, financial security. Seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. That is, seek to live a godly and holy life, and the other things will come as a result of having been hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Now, where does this hunger and thirst come from? As we look through history, why is it that some people were so hungry and thirsty after righteousness while others were not? In our own time, why is it that some people are so hungry and thirsty after righteousness, but others could care less? Why is it that some children, some teenagers, have a hunger and thirst after righteousness, while other young people want to get away from the church as soon as they are free from their parents' supervision? Where does this hunger come from? Well, it is correct to say that it can only be produced by the Holy Spirit. But how does the Holy Spirit produce this hunger and thirst? Are we just to sit idly by and wait for the Holy Spirit to produce this hunger and thirst in us? And if we never experience it to say, oh well, God just never gave me that kind of hunger and thirst, implying that it was God's fault. No, the Holy Spirit uses various means to produce this hunger and thirst. One of the primary ways he does it is through the preaching of his word. For many people, their first experience with spiritual hunger and thirst came in a service where God's word was being powerfully preached. As God's servant described the righteous life, they saw that life as excellent and beautiful, and suddenly they wanted to live that kind of life more than they wanted to live, and they were desperate to live in this manner. For other people, the Holy Spirit produced this kind of hunger and thirst by showing them the emptiness of their lives. They had this gnawing hunger that there must be more to life than simply working nine to five, playing a round of golf, and having a nice home in the suburbs. And this emptiness led to a desperate spiritual search. When a person reaches this state, he will hunger and thirst after a life that is characterized by righteousness. Of course, this desire for righteous conduct comes only to those who have been made righteous in the sight of God. Only those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus will really desire to live righteously in the sight of God. So this legal righteousness that comes by faith and this daily righteous living go hand in hand. They are inseparable. The Christian has been given the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit leads us to desire a righteous life. If you do not have this desire, this hunger and thirst, you're hindering the work of the Holy Spirit in some way. If you find that this hunger and thirst is missing in your life, you can pray for it. You can pray that God would give you this hunger and thirst. And then you will find that as you read the scriptures, listen to the preaching of the word, attend the worship of the church and the sacraments, the way things happen in the circumstances of your life, all these will combine to produce this hunger and thirst in your life. Before I close, I wanted to mention one other interesting thing about this beatitude. Notice that our Lord did not say, blessed are the righteous. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. As long as you are hungering and thirsting after righteousness, painful as it may be, you are in a blessed condition. Frederick Dale Brunner writes, the hungry for righteousness are blessed. Note well, not for a possessed, but for a desired righteousness. 
Blessed not because they are righteous, but because in harmony with the other need beatitudes, they feel starved for and empty of a needed righteousness. Jesus does not bless those conscious of their righteousness or victorious life. Rather, God's promise is given to people for whom righteousness, victory, vindication, right conduct seem painfully missing in themselves and others. So here's a great encouragement for you. You may feel that you are far from living a righteous life. And that's true. You are. And so am I. And so is everyone else. But don't let that worry you. I would be worried if you came up to me and said, I am glad I don't hunger and thirst after righteousness because I'm as righteous as I can be. This verse is an encouragement to all of us to try to live a righteous life and fail to all who have failed miserably. Maybe you have failed to live the righteous life in so many ways that you have given up the pursuit. Don't give up. Never give up. Keep hungering and thirsting for only those who continually hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled. Amen.